Revolutions Per Minute is a weekly radio show from the New York City chapter of the Democratic Socialists of America. Recorded live at WBAI 99.5 in Brooklyn every Wednesday at 9 p.m. RPM's about doing the work, the work to build a democratic socialist future. Each week, hear the latest news, analysis, and organizing experience from the minds and hearts of activists fighting every day in New York City. Join the movement at socialists.nyc. Hey, what's up, New York City? This is Amy Wilson. You're listening to Revolutions Per Minute live on WBAI. We are a socialist radio show and podcast from members of the New York City Democratic Socialists of America. The Democratic Socialists of America is the largest socialist organization in the United States with 95,000 members nationwide. New York City DSA is our biggest chapter. We are run by our 9,000 plus members and organizers who are working together to build democratic socialism in all five boroughs. Once again, my name is Amy Wilson. My pronouns are she and her, and I'm proud to be a member of the RPM Production Collective. This week marks both the 13th anniversary of the assassination of beloved abortion provider and patient's rights advocate, Dr. George Tiller, by an anti-abortion extremist, and the second anniversary of the People's Uprising against NYPD, sparked by the police murders of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and many, many more. Tonight, I'm joined live by my comrade, Nix, to discuss self-managed abortion and the landscape of abortion access now. Although the the official Supreme Court decision that will overturn Roe v. Wade has yet to be released, the reality on the ground in many places in the so-called United States is that abortion has been made functionally illegal. Here in New York City, organizers are preparing for shifts in the nature of abortion care, attempting to protect providers in the face of the potential criminalization of abortion, and navigating a street landscape that lays bare the reality that organized white nationalists and fascists have thrown their lot in with the anti-abortion movement. We will be taking your calls tonight, starting a little after the halfway mark in this hour. We're looking forward to a great discussion, but first, the headlines with Lee Zishi. Hey, New York City, this is Lee Zishi with your headlines for Wednesday, June 1st. The state legislature is considering different versions of an equal rights amendment to the New York State Constitution, one of which would codify abortion protections. An investigation by Law 360 examined which New York neighborhoods saw the most application for pandemic rent relief, as well as other trends in the disbursement of New York's Emergency Rental Assistance Program. The NYPD's gun unit, recently reviewed by Mayor Adams, includes many officers with a history of complaints for excessive use of force. State Senator Julia Salazar introduced controversial legislation that would create a new trust for NYCHA tenants by converting residents from Section 9 to Section 8 tenants. The trust could be used to pay for needed NYCHA repairs, but critics say it could open the door to privatization of NYCHA. The City Education Department has yet to release the calendar, budget, and high school acceptance letters for the upcoming school year. The delay has left parents and students in the dark about the future. 
Buffalo Starbucks workers had to wait six months for the National Labor Board to properly investigate hundreds of claims made against the company. This is due to the agency being woefully underfunded and understaffed. A task force to prevent mass shootings created by then-Governor Andrew Cuomo in 2020 has not had a single meeting. And in election news, the Brooklyn Democratic Party machine is mobilizing to support Ola Nike Alibi's challenge against New York City DSA Assembly member Ferris Front Forest. Alibi has reported raising over $60,000, mostly from the institutional Democratic Party donors. Her average individual donation was over $242. Jonathan Cerveras, the man who drew the current redistricting maps, is pushing back against criticisms that the new maps are a product of Republican gerrymandering. The crowded field of candidates for New York's newly drawn 10th district, a field that includes Rep. Mondaire Jones, City Council Member Carlina Rivera, State Assembly Member Yulene New, and former Mayor Bill de Blasio met for the race's first forum. Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez endorsed the entire New York City DSA for the many slate. Yesterday, members of the Public Power NY and Housing Justice for All coalitions were in Albany rallying for the passage of the Build Public Renewables Act in good cause eviction bill before the session ends tomorrow on June 2nd. Here's some sounds from the ground from DSA-endorsed electeds, candidates, and New York tenants. <laughs> It would go to 2700 
There's no way I can pay the rent and care for my children and my and myself. Bill of Public Renewables is expected to pass the Senate today and has a chance of passing the Assembly tomorrow on the final day of the session. The prospects of good cause eviction are less certain, but the fight continues. This is Lee Zishi. Back to you, Amy, in the studio. Thank you, Lee. And since uh, that segment was recorded, we did hear that the Senate passed the Build Public Renewables Act late Wednesday night. Now all eyes are turning to the Assembly and Speaker Carl Hasty to pass that bill. Our headlines are brought to you by The Thorn, an incredible weekly newsletter by New York City DSA's Electoral Working Group, covering local politics and radical activism. You can subscribe at thethornnyc.substack.com. Before we get started with tonight's show, we are fundraising this month for WBAI's Tower Rent for the remainder of 2022. Please continue to support local broadcasting and community radio and go to towerfund.wbai.org to learn more about the Tower Fund campaign and make your donation tonight. Hello to my live guest in the show. Hi, Nix. Welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. So before we get into tonight's topic, I'd love to give you a chance to introduce yourself to the audience briefly and ask you the question that we love to ask of our guests here on Revolutions Per Minute. What are the social forces that brought you into organizing? Um, that's a great question. And I think um, it was partly growing up as an AFAB person. Um, it was almost impossible for me not to notice how much my assigned sex at birth impacted my access to healthcare impacted my economic prospects and impacted um, my everyday life. And through that, reproductive justice organizing specifically um, felt like a natural extension. Thank you. And I'd also love to extend a warm welcome to your dog who is trying to get in on the show right now. Hello, Dobby. Um, it's always nice to have dogs, cats, and other signs of signs of life in the background. So, Nick, uh, you're here to help me discuss um, the topic of self-managed abortion along with some other really important developments in the abortion access world with our WBAI audience tonight. So let's start with um, a brief introduction to our audience who might have varying levels of familiarity. What exactly we mean when we say self-managed abortion? Sure. So self-managed abortion is basically um, the abortion that is conducted without any sort of medical support um, or like referral or talk with a medical um individual, whether that's like a doctor or a nurse. Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be medication abortion, which is, of course, the abortion form um, done through pills. It can also be through MVA. But because of the ease of pills as a self-managed tool, it is the most common form of self-managed abortion. So you used an acronym there um, that I'm not familiar with, so I uh, think some audience members may not be as well. Could you explain it just a little bit more? 
Um, MVA is um, manual vacuum aspiration, which is um, the form of abortion often done in a procedural slash clinic setting, um, and um, but can also be done on your own. And um, the alternative is medication abortion or abortion by pills, which involves two pills or two types of pills, um, mifepristone and misoprostone. Um, and you take them um, and uh, up to 12 weeks, you can self-manage your abortion. So self-managed abortion isn't new. Um, it's something that's been around for a really long time, but there is a new level of interest in it now. Um, after last month, month's leak of the majority opinion from the Supreme Court that will overturn Roe v. Wade. So can you speak a little bit to the significance of self-managed abortion in these particular conditions, whether that be for us here in New York City or for others who are living elsewhere where abortion is already much more restricted? Yeah, so I think self-managed abortion also really has like a very fascinating history, which is like fun to go into very briefly. Um, it was considered, um, sorry, that's the dog. Um, it was considered like the main form of abortion, um, basically until abortion became like overly medicalized in the 20th century. Um, basically when um, abortion and most other healthcare procedures were still considered like community care and things done by midwifery and doula services, self-managed abortion or like abortion outside of like a clinical medical setting was the only option and um, was extremely safe, extremely common. Um, again, abortion was only criminalized around the 1880s, so it was, frankly, like the only way to get an abortion before that time. Um, and yeah, I think since the Roe decision or the Roe leak, which is more accurate, as you mentioned, um, there's definitely been a more mainstream awareness about self-managed abortion, um, basically because it's going to be the reality that many people in a lot of states are not going to be able to access a medical setting like um, we already have a lot of states with clinics shutting down. Thank you for that. And I'd love to, you know, give you as many opportunities as you'd like to speak about the history of abortion and self-managed abortion specifically, because I think it does speak a lot to um, our current moment. I think the story of um, abortion as it's told in our modern day kind of tends to actually start with the early 70s with Roe v. Wade, when in fact um, it goes back a lot, a lot further. And um, I've said this before on, on Revolutions Per Minute, it's a favorite phrase of an organization called New York City for, an, for Abortion Rights, um, which says uh, abortion is older than the police and the church and much more popular. So I think when we speak about abortion, a lot of what we're speaking about are the social, cultural and material factors that define people's experiences of, of abortion and not the actual procedure itself. So I just want to take a moment to pause and remind our listeners that you are listening to Revolutions Per Minute on listener-sponsored WBAI. We're in New York City broadcasting at 99.5 FM and streaming on your favorite podcast app. Today, we're talking about self-managed abortion and preparing for a post-Roe v. Wade world. We will be taking your calls and questions later in the show, so get ready. Um, but first, let's go back to my live guest, Nick's. 
Nix, you are based in New York City here with me. Um, what's the significance of self-managed abortion in our current conditions? Um, I'll, I'll end, end there and let you answer that first. Yeah, so um, I think firstly, being in a city like New York, where um, in a state like New York, where self-managed abortion was um, like decriminalized um, after the 2019 uh, Reproductive Health Act was passed, um, we are in a position of privilege to be able to spread information about self-managed abortion. To be very clear, um, some amazing international doctors have worked um, and created websites like Aid Access, um, where abortion pills are available to order in all 50 states and in multiple countries and regions as well. Um, more information about how to find abortion pills in all 50 states can be found um, at plancpills.org. Um, and because we know about those resources, because we have more access to said information, and because we're in a position as New Yorkers to be able to spread information about this, I really do think it's important for us to be thinking about our responsibility to raise awareness about the option of self-managed abortion and abortion pills by mail as a sort of post-row tool for people in more restricted states. And also, people who just don't want to opt in to the medical system. So that's what we're facing here in New York City and New York State and something that you and I both know as organizers, but some others might have become more recently aware of is that there, there are restrictions and limitations um, on accessing abortion, even in this quote unquote highly liberal city of, of New York. And I'm hoping that we'll be able to discuss that um, a little bit later in the show. But I'm wondering, um, I, I'll now hit you with a two-part question. One, what's the significance of self-managed abortion in other places? Say people might have heard about really restrictive states like Texas, Mississippi, Oklahoma. Uh, so if you could speak a little bit to that, that would be great. And then I'm also curious, what are the other tactics that organizers are looking at here in New York City specifically? Yeah, so to talk about other states in particular first. So as we saw in Texas after SB8 was enacted last September, um, there was a massive wave of various clinics either shutting down or having to massively restrict services because of the threat of criminalization. And now um, Oklahoma recently passed a near total ban on abortion. And what that means is as clinics are shutting down and abortion becomes more restricted in all these states, you're going to have like travel to get clinical abortion and procedural abortion simply not being a feasible option for people. Like, yes, abortion funds exist and please support them. Um, but frankly, it's still extremely hard, especially with uh, new rules criminalizing interstate travel for abortion, for example. So in that situation, self-managed abortion, while legally risky, is still an extremely potent tool because it's a lot, it's, the exposure is far less than I think like traveling across state lines and like the danger obviously is far less than like the entire hanger image that is so commonly um, in the public consciousness. Um, because abortion pills have been there since 1980. They're considered 98% safe. They're considered safer than Tylenol. 
Um, and they're really awesome, as you can tell. I really love them as a tool um, and therefore are really important in those states. Um, again, plancpills.org has a guide for how to access them by mail in all 50 states. Um, moving to New York, um, there are still a lot of, as you mentioned, restrictions in various ways for accessing abortion. Um, there's, for example, um, New York City for Abortion Rights, the group we're both part of, Um does weekly or monthly clinic defenses because there are a lot of hostile, um, they call themselves pro-life, but we call them anti-choice or anti-abortion presences um, in New York City that basically harass patients outside Planned Parenthoods. Um, There are also the problems of crisis pregnancy centers, um, which are often in the same building or very next to Planned Parenthoods or other abortion clinics and use the fact that people get confused between them to essentially coerce people into not having an abortion. They are entirely non-explicit about the fact that they don't actually provide abortion and say they help with pregnancy counseling. Um, But full spectrum pregnancy counseling includes access to abortion. Um, So yeah, it's still, and apart from like the stigma that comes with dealing with these so-called pro-lifers at CPCs and outside clinics, like it's still not a very easy breezy process in New York City. Absolutely. And, you know, again, New York City is also subject to federal laws like the Hyde Amendment, which prohibits people who are on Medicaid from using that funding for an abortion. If I understand, you're trying to correct me. Yeah. So New York City actually has a great program that was like part of the 2019 bill, where if you financially qualify and if you're pregnant, you can basically um, at Planned Parenthoods, you can get basically near free or very, very subsidized care, um, which is super awesome. And I encourage people to take advantage of it. A lot of students I know have taken advantage of it because they don't have an income technically. Well, that's awesome. And I genuinely did not know that. So thank you so much for teaching me something here tonight. Um, but my my question for you is, you know, get those things being the case, um, a lot of people, and we're again, we're going to be talking about this throughout the show and maybe talking to some callers about it as well. But in the face of this um, leak of the majority opinion, people are newly very galvanized about abortion rights. And a lot of people are asking themselves, what should we do? What can we do? So are there any things that you would like to bring to our audience's attention that are already in the works that you see as being protective of the right to an abortion under these very repressive conditions? Yeah, so I like to call um, my so-called post-row strategy as having three different prongs. And these are three prongs that people in New York can totally get involved with despite being in this friendly state. Um, The first is to learn about self-managed abortion and be an information sharer and support person for self-managed abortion. Um, Organizations like Plan C and If, When, How um, offer SMA buddy trainings where um, they will help you be the person to help share information and they will will train you to be able to do that. 
Um, and there's um, ways to greatly mitigate any sort of legal risk because, A, you're firstly in New York, so it's very unlikely you're going to be criminalized in any way uh, for sharing information about this. Um, but B, you can um, also do things like talking in third person and treating it like an information share instead of like directly counseling someone, which is why I can sit on this radio show and talk all day about self-managed abortion as an option. Um, so yeah, I would really encourage folks in New York to go onto those websites, learn about those organizations. Um, and learn about those options and therefore help spread information about them. You can order stickers, you can flyer across your neighborhood. Um, it's really important that New York City becomes a destination state for both abortions, but also for informational access. Um, and I think that's a really concrete way to do it. Um, the second thing I would recommend people do, sorry, I have like a very thorough recommendation, um, is um, fundraise for abortion funds and practical support groups. Um, you still, if, if you access pills or, you know, have to travel to other states, um, those things cost money and abortion funds are a very concrete way to um, help support people. Um, there are so many amazing ones that like function as like a mutual aid network in all these restrictive states and therefore aren't necessarily like beholden to what is legal, but are just instead mutual aid networks. Um, and, you know, I think anyone can do anything creative to fundraise. Um, uh, abortion Fund, I adore and support greatly because they're awesome, um, is Buckle Bunnies, which is based in Texas. Um, and they have a fundabun every year where they encourage people to monetize whatever skills they have, uh, whether that's editing or um making cookies and contribute. And that's a very concrete way you can help increase access because, you know, living under this capitalist system, healthcare is awful and it costs money even when you're trying to get it outside of the medical system. And third way is to advocate for laws that make New York a destination state. Um, again, CPCs. Uh, should have way clearer disclaimers. Uh, California has passed a bunch of laws on this, and as usual, we are kind of behind. Um, also, coming out to these counter-protests, New York City for Abortion Rights has a counter-protest this Friday um, at, uh, this Saturday, sorry, at um, the um, old St. Patrick's Cathedral in Soho. Um, information is on their Instagram um, and it, that's a very concrete way to show that anti-presence and harassments of pa harassment of patients is just not going to be tolerated in our city. That we're like a pro-abortion city where we're always going to welcome any person and always going to provide them with all the information necessary to have this essential healthcare procedure. Those are all great suggestions, and, and thank you so much. And I think that, you know, a lot of people, maybe those of an older generation who were around in the early 1970s when Roe v. Wade is passed, may also know that 
even though abortion was legal, that it was still, you know, I remember growing up and coming of age in a political moment where people wouldn't even say the word abortion. You know, to my knowledge, President Joe Biden has never said the word abortion. And so there's also, I think, a, a new generational shift in the way that we're approaching this issue and showing up for this issue when you go, listeners, when you go to your next pro-abortion rally, you'll probably see lots of people who look like men there. You'll see trans people. You'll see people of all different ages and races and gender identities. This is certainly not just, quote unquote, a woman's issue anymore. And uh, we don't see it that way. We see it as a human rights issue. I know that's a big statement to make, but I'm I'm going to go ahead and make it. And I'm also just going to remind our listeners, as we're talking about uh, the issue of abortion and accessing abortion, this is a particular moment where being on a free speech radio station really comes into play because historically, access to abortion has also been protected by people sharing information, just like Nix and I are doing um, on the radio on 99.5 FM in New York City tonight. Um, and people sharing information that perhaps, you know, uh, there are forces that don't want you to know that you can access abortion pills. There are forces that don't want you to know that it's okay to have an abortion. There are forces that don't want you to even say the word or to encourage people to consider it as an option. So if you appreciate that what we're doing is important and is countercultural in that way, and if you're responding to this show and you're thinking, yes, this is information that I want my children, my younger neighbors, my students, people who are directly affected by this issue, I want them to have access to information like this, please give a donation to WBAI as well. Go to towerfund.wbai.org. That's towerfund.wbai.org to show your support for the ways that a community can come together and share the information that it needs to access what it needs. Towerfund.wbai.org or you can call 212-209-2950. That's 212-209-2950. So as promised, we will be opening the phones a little bit earlier than usual tonight, so get ready for that. But I do just want to spend a couple more minutes with you here, Nix, in the studio before we open it up to our listeners and ask you for any reflections on this week's significant anniversaries. We're starting with the murder of Dr. George Tiller, which occurred 13 years ago yesterday on May 31st, 2009. Dr. Tiller was shot by an anti-abortion extremist when he was serving as an usher at his church. So, Nix, what's your thoughts on the significance of Dr. Tiller's assassination and how does that connect to the landscape of the far right anti-abortion movement today? Yeah, I think it's sadly a very pertinent reflection of how those same far right, alt-right, frankly, forces are very much still occupying a lot of space in the anti-choice movement. Um, very recently, in fact, at a recent New York City for Abortion Rights action, we um, saw the presence of various far-right and alt-right groups. Um, I think a video also went viral on Twitter because this person was wearing an FDNY sweatshirt, but was actually not affiliated with the FDNY, um, but was affiliated with a far-right group called the Groypers. Um, and it's very clear that anti-abortion sentiment is rooted in this very particular white supremacist at image of what 
a family should look like, of what gender roles should look like, of what liberation looks like. Um, And that ideological notion is what provides fuel to capitalism, which is why we often find these forces working in tandem with capital to repress bodily autonomy. Um, And I think Dr. Tiller's um, anniversary is just like a reminder of how this so-called pro-life side is actually deeply violent and dangerous and requires a community to come together and push back. Absolutely. And those who've been to recent counter protests or recent clinic defenses, I think can attest to the level of zealotry that's there. Uh, The group that you mentioned um, are led by a guy named Nick Fuentes. I encourage people, if they're not familiar with him, to look him up and look at the politics that he espouses and puts forward and consider the fact that there are his followers are present in New York City and are showing up to protests for abortion rights and consider what that means and maybe reconsider their ideas about the political landscape of New York and how liberal and accepting it is. Uh, just going to plant that seed in, in people's minds. Regular listeners of Revolutions Per Minute know I'm a very committed and dedicated anti-fascist. So this is another thing that is extremely important for me to help people understand. And the other significant anniversary that we have this week is, of course, um, the, the beginning of the uprising, rebellion, mass protests that occurred here in New York City two years ago and all across the country and the world in response to the murders of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. So also with that context, Nix, what are your thoughts on police abolition and how does that connect to the struggle for abortion access? Um, I see abolition as a vital tenant of reproductive justice as a movement, um, along with queer and trans liberation and economic liberation, but specifically focusing on abolition. Um, The people who are going to be enforcing these anti-abortion laws, the people who are going to have already arrested Lizelle Herrera, who is now thankfully free, thanks to the work of the amazing lawyers at the Repro Legal Defense Fund, um, who was arrested for self-managing their abortion, um, are the police. They are the agents in arms of this bigotry, of this anti-abortion sentiment, and similarly to the way um, black and brown people are over-policed and repressed, um, they they are also now going to be deputized to prevent abortion access and um, oppress anyone who's trying to access what they should be allowed to access um, as a basic healthcare right. So I think reproductive autonomy and reproductive justice, which focuses on um, the freedom to choose for your body and the freedom to not have controls placed on your body can not exist as a movement while the prison industrial system and um, police still exist because they are in very potent forms of 
body control and coercive control. We literally have people in cages and I can go into the treatment of incarcerated pregnant people, for example, who have been documented literally being chained as giving birth while giving birth. Um, None of these things um, can be part of a society that claims to protect reproductive freedom and police abolition is an essential step. yeah. A great answer. And, you know, just because it's on my mind with this, the verdict coming out in the Johnny Depp Amber Heard case, which is for another style of radio show and maybe another conversation, but also thinking about um, sexual violence and gendered violence and the police as major vectors of sexual violence and, and domestic violence, not only in their own homes, there are incredibly high rates of domestic violence among the police and firefighting forces but also directed toward, as you say, arrestees, um, detainees, prisoners. Um, There's a lot of gender-based harassment and much worse that happens um, as a result of police and border guard presence in communities. So thank you for those reflections and thank you for everything that you've said so far. And now I would really love to hear what our listeners have to say about this topic. You know, abortion is a topic that inspires a lot of questions, a lot of strong feelings. So I'm going to ask people to keep it respectful of our guests' time and mine in the studio tonight, but please give us a call. We're very open to hearing your your questions particularly or things that you'd like to know about this current landscape for the politics of abortion. The number to call in the studio is 212 209-2877. Once again, that's 212-209-2877. This is Revolutions Per Minute. We're on every Wednesday at 9 p.m. My name's Amy Wilson. My guest's name is Nix, and they are here to discuss uh, self-managed abortion alongside the abortion access landscape as a whole. So please give us a call with a respectful comment or a question. That's 212-209-2877. 212-209-2877. Hopefully we'll get some. Oh, we do have one call on the line. Um, let's go ahead and get them live on air. Hi. Hi, you're live with Revolutions Per Minute. What's your comment or question? Um, I just have a suggestion. Um, I think that this needs to shift to be about men and money and stop with the um, body choice, freedom, women crap because women put themselves last all the time and it's not very admirable and I'm tired of it. And so I think that we need to shift it to forced fatherhood. This is forced fatherhood and we're going to go after you for child support as soon as you turn 18. And so we need million man marches going on. Okay. I'm just, you know, that's it. Um, Because I just, I don't see women ever achieving equality in my lifetime the Equal Rights Amendment, what, how many? 130 years? What? So, um, yeah, I just don't see it happening. Everything else comes first. Whenever, oh, here comes another shooting. It's the 293rd shooting of the year, and we're going to just completely not cover the um, abortion uh, protests, um, you know, because we're just going to choose the mass shooting of the day. Oh, gosh, am I just being really cold? Well, you know, my love goes out to those Buffalo people, but I'm just tired of it. I just really think it's, you know, so I'd like to know 
um, all these like white male lacrosse playing teenage frat boys. Um, you know, what are the Republican fathers and mothers going to think once they're, you know, oh, there's all these more unwanted children in the world in this in this country. You know, all these boys are going to have to pay child support or go to jail. Apparently, uh, three three hundred out of six thousand um, males go to jail each year. I'd love some statistics on that. And it just you just got to hit them where it hurts. So. Thanks so much for calling. I'm, I'm going to ask Max to disconnect you now just because we have a couple more callers on the line. But um, I'd like to just briefly respond to, to what you say and, you know, it, encourage you to, if, if you're not already, I don't want to assume anything about you, caller, but if you're not already to get organized with an abortion access group or to attend an abortion demo, because um, I think you'll see that men are out there. We, we have a lot of, Nix and I have a lot of male comrades in this movement. And I think we, we are shifting it from seeing it as solely a women's issue, as we happened to mention earlier in the show, and looking at this as an issue of control over reproduction, reproduction being a thing which is communal in a lot of ways, whether if you're talking about it in the strict biological sense, or if you're talking about social reproduction, like childcare and things like that. Um, that are also historically have been seen as women's issues. And now we're trying to get that out of that framework. Um, I, I will say, you know, I, I appreciate your focus on um, putting responsibility where responsibility is. But I am personally, and Nix, I'll let you chime in on this too, if, you, if you'd like to, or we can move on to the next caller. I personally am not in favor of incarcerating more people um, for any reason. And I think any type of, of law um, would certainly be used in a punitive way against black and brown people first and not the rich white Republican lacrosse playing teens that you refer to. So I, I'm leery of carceral solutions to this problem in any regard. Nix, anything to quickly add before we move on to our next caller? Yeah, I think just in complete agreement, carceral solutions are what has got us into this situation in the first place. That's literally what anti-abortion criminalization is. Carceral solutions are not going to be the solution over here. But thanks again for calling, and we'd love to keep it rolling with a discussion of abortion access and the landscape. The number to call in the WBAI studio is 212-209-2877. That's 212-209-2877. Um, can we get our next caller live, Max? And greetings, greetings um, to the Hello. beloved community. Um, just generally for all radio uh, folks is that if we miss the beginning, we if you would, as you address your guest, use her name. And also, I'm looking forward to get her contact information. But a couple quick points. Um, I'm glad you're getting into this um, white supremacy and the police of all entities. It's, it's not funny, of course, because it's, it's in-your-face fascism. But police are now women's bodies with the mess they already creating, as we saw in Texas and, and elsewhere. Um, and also, we need to have some extended discussions about this idea that some states, when a woman is raped, they are going to force her to take the pregnancy to turn. And so it, it, are the rapists out there? We need to start getting the statistics, and we need to ask ourselves, if the uh, rapists have some fantasy about getting their child to a particular beautiful woman, that sounds uh, beyond nightmare. 
back in the 80s when I was a very young woman, I met Lolly and Jean Hurst, and I did a national piece that, of course, got turned upside down because abortion was legal, but it wasn't very accessible. So I wrote about, or, 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 or they actually removed that, but I'd like to get some uh, contact information because I've done an updated article to reach out to the women's self-help reproductive movement. We had plastic speculums. We knew the signs of pregnancies, the bluish tinge in the cervix, the neck of the uterus, and other stages that you were in ovulation-wise. And Lorraine Rothman invented, and I think she was kind of getting into this earlier, where on the kitchen table with a friend or two, you could do what she dubbed menstrual, what was called menstrual extraction. Okay, so I'll be looking forward to the contact information because I'd like to place a piece and reach out to the legacy of Lolly and Jean Hurts, Lorraine Rothman, and other women who gave us control of our bodies in important ways. And thank you so, so much. Well, thank you. And thank you for your work and your connection to the history of this movement. Um, my guest's name is Nix, and um, I will give them a chance to... Uh, could, Max, could you disconnect them just so we can move on to the next person? Um, Nix, any response to what our caller said or anything that you'd like to offer by way of getting in touch with, with organizations that you're affiliated with? Yeah, um, I would encourage people to um, w reach out to the email nyc4, as in the number four, abortion rights at gmail.com. Um, this is one of the collectives I'm a part of, and um, this will be like a group of organizers you can get in touch with. Again, that email is nyc4, as in the number four, abortion rights at gmail.com. Um, I guess a response I have is that it's just indicative that since the 80s, abortion and um, has been a community responsibility and people have been helping others get abortions. And that is very much what SMA is, helping people know the signs, know the options, know the resources they have access to depending on the age of gestation. Um, and yeah, I think it's sad, but also poignant that our strategies are so similar this far on. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, SMA is the topic of one of the topics of tonight's show, and it stands for self-managed abortion, self-managed abortion. If you're interested in, in looking more up about the way that people are speaking about this and um, writing about it and organizing around it now. We have one more call on the line. Um, I'll read out our, our number just in case there's anybody else who'd like to call in and give a comment or question about abortion access. The number in the studio is 212-209-2877. That's 212-209-2877. And let's get our next call live. Hi. Um, thanks for taking my call. I um, appreciate the conversation. I. I uh, jumped on late, so I'm not sure if you discussed this already, but as for self-managed ab abortion, the I can imagine 
stigma being something of an issue, maybe not, but I wonder what the um from 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 people that you've spoken with, experiences that you've had, like what is the the um I guess if there are barriers, um I'm just thinking, you know, the right has done such a, a good job of, of making abortion seem both dangerous, which it's not, and stigmatized, which it shouldn't be. Um, and I wonder when people bring that into private spaces, the home, for example, um, or a friend's home, what what is the experience like? How is it different? How do people, what, what are the different issues that people encounter? Um, also calling uh, sick again because there was another shooting, uh, mass shooting in Tulsa, Oklahoma at a hospital and four people are dead. The gunman also uh, killed themselves and um, not to make any um, facile uh, conclusions, but I just think it's interesting that Oklahoma has the most restrictive now abortion ban in the country founder of Operation Rescue said that if you think that abortion is murder, then act like it. And we know that people are in various ways and have in various ways and will in various ways. I agree with you 100% that the answer is not carceral. I think that the only answer is a revolution to completely change society because we're not going to get there through social democratic reforms. Ultimately, they're always going to be stripped away in times of various crisis. So we need a revolution to completely take these people out of power and to transform how we uh, relate to each other entirely. Thank you so much for taking my call and for the show and the work that you do. Bye. Well, thank you so much, caller, for calling. Um, you can call back anytime. And if you ever need a hosting gig, <laughs> you know who to who to contact. Um, th that was a really um thoughtful and wonderful um, comment and question that we really appreciate. Um, and Nick, there was a question there about dealing with stigma around self-managed abortion. Do you have any response to that or anything else that the, the caller put forward? Yeah. So a couple of things, my own experiences when talking about this, it's often entirely dependent on the person um, what their comfort level is. So gauging that as an information sharer is super important. Some people just want a website link. And thankfully, um, like I mentioned, plancypills.org, there are a lot of very thorough websites with a lot of information, and they would rather not have a sort of face-to-face -face conversation about these things. Other people really do want someone to... Um, talk to and help them through this process. And that in itself can help reduce the stigma when you have someone you know and you trust talking to you about this process, helping you realize like there are options regardless of what your situation is, what state you're in. Um, I think truly talking about it and countering this, all the misinformation, frankly, that um, the right has been so effective at putting out is, again, our responsibility as New Yorkers in a more protective, more um, expansive rights state. Um, I think another thing um, that was mentioned is like the various types of risks involved um, in like various states. And um, in that case, I would encourage, um, firstly, encourage people to know that um, it is, you, it's not detectable whether you use abortion pills. Um, the 
symptoms of having uh, abortion through medication abortion is the same as the symptoms as having a miscarriage. And because they're hormonal, there's no way to detect them. Um, So you can go if you need medical care or if you're questioned, you can always say you're having a miscarriage. Um, if you don't feel safe sharing the fact that you are having a medication abortion or you've self-managed your abortion. Um, And also, if, again, you need support, you're facing community stigma, you're not in a safe situation, there are a lot of support orgs. DOPO, for example, provides um, abortion doulas for people um, as they go through their abortion. Um, and ReproCare and the MA Helpline is various um, doctors and support people who can literally be on the phone with you as you have your medication abortion and self-managed abortion and talk you through the entire process. So resources are out there. You don't have to um, sit and not... and. I guess, feel like you don't have options. I think that's the biggest thing we have a responsibility to counter because these laws are scary and it can really lead to people not going down a route that's probably the safest or probably one that they would have gone to if they knew that was an option. So um, yeah, I think that would be my response to a wonderful comment. Thank you, Nixon. And we are coming to the end of our show. So I'm going to thank everybody else for calling who called in tonight. And hopefully you'll have another opportunity to ask a question or make a comment on this topic. I'd love to see a lot more uh, radio shows of this type from different angles, a lot more people talking openly about what it's going to look like um, in our post-Bro world, because that is a reality, unfortunately, that we're living in. It's been coming for a long time. It's been coming for decades. And what we have to do now is figure out how to live through it and support each other through it. And to that to that end, I'd love to just add on to what you just said, Nix, and what you alluded to earlier in the show about imagery like the coat hanger or the bloody pants um, or imagery around abortion and the future of abortion access that centers violence and, and death. Now, this comes from a very real place because, unfortunately, many people have been killed or harmed by lack of access to a safe abortion, and, and that is very real. However, we are not going back. We do have new options. We have new power. We have new resources. And so even though this is a scary moment, we don't have to be scared that we're going back to those days of the coat hanger or, again, for people who've been around, the famous photo of the woman, Jerry Santoro, who died after a self-administered abortion. Then her photo became the, the face. She was faceless, but it became the, the, the face, if you will, of the need for access to safe abortion. You know, th- things have changed. And we are trying to distribute information in a way that helps people feel empowered to navigate this landscape and to help others navigate this landscape rather than afraid and disempowered because that's how they, if you will, that's how anti-abortionists want people to feel. And that's not what we're about. We're about claiming our own power and living into our own power. And thank you so much, Nix, for joining me tonight um, for this show, Revolutions Per Minute. 
Um, this is the end of our show. We're going to say good night now. But if you'd like to get in touch with us after the show, you can always email us at revolutionsnyc at gmail.com. We'd be glad to connect you to our guest or to any of the things that they spoke about tonight. You can find us on our website, revolutionsperminute.simplecast.com, or on Twitter at NYCRPM. Please support WBAI's fundraising this month and visit towerfund.wbai.org to make a donation toward the rent on our transmitter tower. We will not be with you next week, but we'll be on again in two weeks, Wednesday at 9 p.m. Until then, stay safe, take care of each other, and um, abortion is ours forever. I'm Amy Wilson. Good night.